Hello and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we will be discussing spoilers as usual, so here is your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And would you like to introduce our guest, Alex? Yes, we have a special guest who is a friend of mine from my Target days. (laughs) Uh, Please welcome Leonora to the show. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So you want to say a little bit about yourself uh, or anything? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) For sure. My name's Leonora. I know Alex from Target. (laughs) where we both used to work. Um, I'm a queer writer, film reviewer person currently based in Seattle. Cool. Cool. And you also might remember slash know Ashley's husband, Will. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember him from Target? (laughs) Vaguely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he, He wasn't there for... Yeah, he mostly was guest services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I do remember him. Yeah, that's my husband. <laughs> Small world. Yeah, I know. Small and did, uh, try uh, remind me, did you and I meet in person at Alex's reading? Yes, we did. I thought so. Yes. That was quite a while ago. Oh, oh just my book launch? Yes, just <laughs> yes. Your, little, your little book launch event. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought so. Yeah, we okay. met each other briefly. Mm-hmm. Chatted for a bit. Um, okay, well, why don't we do our five-minute masters? Who would like to begin? I have mine pulled up. I'll start. Well, you go ahead. It's tradition so far. All right. Well, since I've been doing candy for the last, like, three of them, I was like, I'll continue <laughs> to do that. Um, I wrote a poem about M&Ms uh, a couple months ago. Um and I, there's some really weird, interesting things about M&M's. Um, M&M's stands for Mars and M- M- Murray. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, the Mars candy company and then the business partner guy, Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trying to make a, a product much like Smarties that uh, people could take with them into the fray of war. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh, that was an interesting time funny. for commerce. <laughs> right? When candy <laughs> was produced in order to feed soldiers. Yeah, uh, everything yeah. was produced for soldiers. It, yep, it was sold exclusively to the U.S. military. Uh, M&M's were during World War II. Huh. So, well, hmm. I mean, imagine like a chocolate shortage mm-hmm. because of war. Yes. Um. So they have to, what little, I mean, it's milk chocolate, so they can... Thin it out. Thin it out. <laughs> and give it to the people that are actually like... <laughs> they really need it the they, most. They, they need some chocolate in order to not only like do war. Yes. But also to, to like... do war. <laughs> one needs chocolate. Yes. Well, and also like it sucks to do war. So give <laughs> yes. them chocolate. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't melt in... It melts in your in mouth, mouth, not your hand yep. is their original... Uh, I did know that. Their original tagline, which I like because it's like melt and mouth M&M, you know? It, yeah. it sort of fits their whole thing. Yeah. Uh, though I got to say, when thinking about like candy coated chocolate made for the war effort, it just reminds me of Benedict Cumberbatch's creepy character from Atonement. 
<laughs> oh lord did you all see atonement yes oh lord Where he's like he's like manufactures the like chocolate bars coated in candy oh i do not remember that part yeah of that. Oh, he goodness. brings the one little girl like the friend like a bar of it and fuck yeah <laughs> and yeah. he's so creepy like i oh, can't watch. i'm like benedict stop yeah stop. i can never i can never look at him the same way again after seeing that well movie. he's got like blonde hair which he never does anymore too yeah he and you're like to. what's happening yeah and he's just <laughs> he's just so horrifying so that's just what you know war chocolate is to me war chocolate is uh creepy, <laughs> creepy benedict pedophile yeah. benedict cumberbatch <laughs> Um, but the other fun thing is how many how the colors have changed over the years. Oh yeah, yeah. So the original colors were brown, yellow, green, red, and violet. Violet, violet. You're turning violet. <laughs> <laughs> um, brown has stayed since the beginning, 1940. Oh. So has yellow. So has green. Orange didn't come until 70 something. Mm. Okay. Well, that's a very 70s color. And that's also when red stopped. <laughs> They just like traded it they briefly. They traded it. And then red started again in the 80s. That's so funny. Tan started in 1950. Tan, yeah. And lasted till 95. Uh huh. My mom used to tell me that that was always her favorite the as a kid. Ones? Like she thought it tasted different. Huh. Obviously it didn't, but as a child, she just <laughs> thought it did. Well, I think there's some sort of not only psychology to the different colors tasting differently, but maybe the dye they use had like the, a microscopic oh, sort of I flavor think that profile. It's just, you know, people who were like think that Crystal Pepsi tastes different <laughs> than regular Pepsi when it doesn't. Right. It's just a brain trick. And then blue came around in 95 and has been sticking around as tan went out. It's funny that red was like not there for a while. I wonder if they like... had a shortage on the dye or they were like. Wait, when was that window? Um, 70s to late oh, okay. mid 80s. Because I was thinking it might have been like a, a, a health concern because there were like health concerns with red dye. But I think 70s is a bit early. Yes, for that. yes. Um, red number two. Oh, it was that. In 1976, Mars eliminated red colored M&Ms because of health concerns over amaranth. Uh, red number red number two and it was a suspected carcinogen uh-huh. and they replaced it with orange okay so wow well then points to me damn yeah <laughs> oh this was done despite the fact that m&ms did not contain the dye people the action was purely to satisfy oh. worried customers sure of course I, I mean it's like marking the things literal as- red scare yeah, and working oh, things gluten free when it's like well it's a banana <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Or or like a, a bag of lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> it, it better be. Right? It's, it's for the people that just don't know better. Yes. But the one product that is gluten-free that is not... Oh, no, it does have gluten. I don't know. Never mind. I think red vines have gluten in them, which is surprising. Yeah, there must be some kind of it's flour in them. Flour, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Weird. Anyway, there's your M&M's <laughs> crash course. Fascinating. <laughs> Well, I understand that you took it upon yourself to prepare a five-minute master's, Leonora. Yes, I do have one. I want to tell y'all about Monowai, Nebraska, the smallest town in America. Oh, that's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a pretty good one. Um, It is the smallest officially incorporated town in America. Obviously, if you live outside of city limits, uh-huh. away from any neighbors you basically get the same experience but Elsie <laughs> Eiler is the 84 year old mayor and sole resident <laughs> of Monowai, Nebraska oh my god <laughs> um, when she moved there as a child it had a, 
a population of maybe 60 people. So it had a little store and a little post office and a little church. And as she grew older, people just started gradually moving away. She got married. She had kids. Her kids moved away. Um, In the mid 2000s, like I want to say 2004 or something like that, her husband passed away leaving her the sole resident and she just decided to to stay there and oh. make the best of it. <laughs> so every year she pays like $600 or something to the state to keep her quote unquote incorporated, which basically wow. means that they keep her street light on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. She, uh, she pays taxes to herself. <laughs> And she she holds an annual election where she votes for herself and reinstates herself as mayor. You know what? Once you're retired, you just got to keep busy somehow. <laughs> exactly. And she, she runs like a little tavern restaurant type place that I guess has become kind of a tourist attraction because oh, people cute. think about this place. Oh, served by the mayor herself. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And she has a library that she keeps up herself. Oh my goodness. Town. What a rock star. She's such a hero. I know. I know. She's my hero. <laughs> and she's, she just doesn't want to leave because she doesn't see the point. Yeah. Well, and there would be no mayor if she left. Yeah. Exactly, would it would just be, town? it would just be abandoned. I mean, it's still pretty much abandoned. Like, <laughs> I was in researching this. I was watching like some videos that people have taken as they drive through, and it's just like the church has been abandoned since the seventies, mm-hmm. and so they were talking about how like you can't go inside because if you like step on the floor wrong, the walls will cave in. (laughs) Yeah. That's why buildings get condemned. (laughs) Exactly. And there's just like, it just looks like a mess mostly except for this tavern and this library. (laughs) Wow. But it's, she's keeping it up. She's keeping it up. Good for her. Yeah, You know, there's a little town in Oregon called Sammyville. And I've been there. It's called Sammyville oh because it was founded by a man named Sammy. Uh-huh. I, have, I have met Sammy. <laughs> oh, my. I yeah. love that. Yeah. It's, it's a tiny little town. I'm not sure how. It's just like a few houses, you know. Sure. Just like sure. these people were in Oregon. Like, let's just have a town. Uh, <laughs> and a town. Uh, back when you could just do that. Um, my, uh, my birth dad, Chris, who has been on the show in the past, he actually, mm. his first feature film was called Sammyville, and he very loosely based it upon the real life oh place. My. Of course, he turned it into like a crime thriller, and Sammy's like a <laughs> no-nonsense sheriff type, whereas the real <laughs> Sammy is like a total goofball, sweet old man who just like wears dentures. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not like that in real life, but there is a film out there about it called Sammyville. My dad I love made that. it. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to have to watch that now. See if you can know. get your hands on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to see a movie like that, except about Elsie Eiler and Monowai, Nebraska. <laughs> it would basically, like, I'm just imagining, um, oh, what's that? Uh, Hot Fuzz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, yes. Her. just her. Just Elsie. <laughs> just her. Like, like a body shows up in the town and she's like, who could have done this? <laughs> I am this town, literally. <laughs> and then it's like somehow like Fight Club, and there's another. Her. Oh god! Of course. Now we've got a movie. Yeah, here we go. We've got yeah. a movie. 
Yep, we got to run up the treatment now. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> there goes the rest of my day. <laughs> All right. Well, my um, – I love how we have such very different topics between mm-hmm. the three of us because <laughs> I want to tell you two about the Tunguska event. What? If you've Ooh. heard of it. So um, – in 1908, a large explosion occurred near the stony Tunguska River in Krasnoyarsk Krai, Siberia. Um, <laughs> and people didn't know why. Um, it's it's one of those, you know, historical mysteries of like what caused the Tunguska event. And luckily it occurred far enough away from human settlements that uh, no nobody that we know of was harmed well was killed by it people were harmed by it um because it flattened 2000 square kilometers of forest um mm. the shock measured 5.0 on the richter scale oof and it would have been capable of destroying a large metropolitan area if it had occurred anywhere but siberia <laughs> uh <laughs> So it was around 7 a.m. on June 30th of 1908. Um, people in the hills, it's a northwest of Lake Baikal. So I don't know. This is like pretty far away because if it flattened 2,000 square kilometers of forest, like these are people outside of that blast radius. Um, but these people saw like a column of blue light oh in God. the sky that was oh, like, super duper bright. Um, and then 10 minutes later, there was this huge flash and like just terrifying, booming, banging noises. They said it sounded like artillery fire. Oh, my gosh. Um, this shockwave actually knocked people off of their feet and broke windows hundreds of kilometers away. Jeez. Like just this insane explosion. Um, people were like, the world is ending. Yeah. It's it's 1908. The world is ending. Yeah. Like, we don't know what this is. We're Good Russian. Word. Like, we, we live in Siberia. What is going on? <laughs> uh, it, it actually registered at seismic stations across Eurasia. Um, oh, airwaves were detected in Germany, Denmark, Croatia, the United Kingdom, and as far away as Washington, D.C., um, and what? the skies just glowed for a few days. They just, they were just hang. they were just, you know, residual, yeah, just glowing. scary glow. Just glowing. <laughs> um, but because the area was so remote, scientific analysis didn't begin for more than a decade. Uh-huh. Um, in 1921, a mineralogist named Leonid Kulik uh, led a team to the river basin. Um, they didn't visit the central blast area. But accounts from locals led him to believe that it was a meteorite impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it sounds like on first. <laughs> yeah, um, but it when, also sounds when like... you know what that is, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's just you know, doomsday. Um, but in 1927, he led an expedition to the blast site, um, but he didn't find a crater. What did he oh. find? Just well, what he found was a five-mile zone where trees were charred and all the branches were, you know, thrown off, but they were standing um, in the center of the blast site. Uh, And then further away, the trees had been knocked down, like, from a blast. Yeah. Um, So that's weird. And this is why Mm. it is such a kind of a historical mystery. Um, Over the next 10 years, he uh, led three more expeditions, um, and he found several dozen... Uh, what are called pothole bogs, which he thought were meteoric craters, like maybe something had like 
broken up. Um, but they drained one and just found like a stump at the bottom of it. And they were like, well, I guess oh. not. So that was a We're just in Siberia. Yeah, Siberia weird. <laughs> so guess not. Um, so mm, square one. Um, but uh, in the 50s and 60s, microscopic silicate and magnetite spheres were found in the soil uh, and eventually in the resin of the trees in the area. And they contain high proportions of nickel to iron, which indicates that they were from a meteorite. But it just exploded before it hit. Yes. Mm. The leading explanation is that an air burst from an asteroid uh, four to six miles above Earth's surface caused the Tunguska event. Um, So, yeah, it's it's probable that it just broke up before. Or had like a pocket of gas in it or something yeah it, it broke <sighs> up before impact so it, there was no crater to make it there was nothing there to like and that hit would ex- the ground. explain the 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 column of light and the yes. glowing perhaps right. better than like something right. had hit yeah so it, it just something sort of broke up before hitting it but there was enough force that it just caused this insane blast yeah wow like there are crazy, like first person accounts of what they experienced. Like people's huts were just like leveled, like they were sleeping, oh, and their God. house just blew over. <laughs> oh, no. Well, their houses probably weren't the sturdiest well, in 1908. Yeah, yeah in, Siberia, in Siberia, like these yeah. are. Yeah, but, still, but think like, about like how long it takes. Yeah, how long right, it takes yeah. to build a house back then. And <laughs> oh how yeah, right. That's like a whole. That's your whole three life. years of their life uh-huh. uh, and, and it's just like can what would you even think yeah like you're sleeping oh, god here to smite me yeah <laughs> uh, i guess yeah apparently though like events this size are estimated only to occur once every 1000 years yeah um oh. so what a crazy thing for people to have experienced and like what a miracle that nobody was seriously hurt right right like yeah, nobody was hit. like. Can you imagine if that just hit like on Boston? Like, <laughs> oh, like Russia gets all the big meteorites. <laughs> it, well, it can't, covers a lot of surface that's true, area, that's true. so you know the odds are. Because there's greater. that like viral video of that one like just streaking across the highway. Yeah, I don't know if that's real. No, it is. is it? Mm-hmm. it didn't hit, but it burnt. It was just yeah, scary looking. Anyway, so that's the Tunguska event. So don't let anyone tell you that it was aliens or something or that we don't know what it was because we probably know what it was. It's like the bloop. People prefer it to remain a mystery when it's not really a mystery anymore. Yeah. Or like the Croatoan disappearance. Oh, yeah. That one really pisses me off. (laughs) (laughs) So shall we move on to the topic at hand? Yes. Um, would you like to introduce it, Leonora? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm here today because we are talking about transgender representation on film. Oh boy. <laughs> and and lack thereof. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most mostly lack thereof. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I um totally agreed to this topic because I did a uh, for my last film studies class in college, uh, my essay was about uh, transgender representation in film. And yes. that was that was back uh, just like a year or maybe even less after Dallas Buyers Club came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Okay. So there was a yeah. lot to talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was like that, that maybe 
what is it, two or three year period in there where it was just like Dallas Buyers Club, Danish Girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my lord. Mm-hmm. It's yep. a hot new of, thing. <laughs> it's kind of slowed down a little bit and I'm kind of sad that it didn't get kind of get better, but I'm also kind of like, oh lord, I'm glad we don't have to think about Dallas Buyers Club anymore. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for many, many reasons. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, but yeah, I, I agree. There's there's been like a, a a lull in sort of Hollywood trying to do a trans movie. Yeah. Yes. Which is yes in in, in certain ways good because they weren't doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't. No. But in other ways, it's like where'd all the trans movies go? <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of feels like you would you would have hoped that they would have listened to feedback, right. but instead mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, you we don't like don't the do way it. we do it? Well, yeah, then yeah. you don't exist anymore. Right. Sorry. It's like, oh, yeah. you want us to hire trans actors and actresses? Like, no. <laughs> they were just like, that's just too much. That's just too much. <laughs> Like, yeah. Well, I, I mean, and it's it just feels like a, a you know the the logical progression of the whole like oh women in Hollywood you know women directors like mm-hmm. well her movie didn't do well so so no more no ever. more women mm-hmm. and it's like well wait no no that's not the problem yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and well you think about that even too there are some things and this is the thing I love to talk about that have a trans actor and you can 100% tell that that one trans actor is the only trans person who worked on the entire film. <laughs> oh, and, and it was basically like, they're there for the credibility. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the writer director is still like, cishet's white guy. Yeah. Supreme. Yeah. Has mm-hmm. all these ideas. Mm-hmm. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. Like, um, I was telling you, Alex, the other day, I, I found out about the um, trans actress, Ra- I think it was Rachel Root is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Rebecca Root. Rebecca yeah. Root, thank yeah. you for correcting me. Um, and how she had, you know, auditioned for the lead role in The Danish Girl. And they were like, oh, Lord, no, but you can still be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> she she plays, I want to say she plays a nurse in like the last five minutes. In the yeah. saddest if fucking part of the movie that yeah. just destroys yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. She's um she's a voice actor on the new Moomin Valley uh series. Oh, and I, I love it. That. Yeah, I just gotta say that she's, right here. She's now. a she's a great voice actor. I've heard her in a couple other things. Uh-huh. Well, because that's what she does. She uh she's yeah. a voice coach. Um Oh yeah, you were telling me how mm-hmm. she tries to get trans people to like embrace their voice rather than fight against it or something. Well, like that. she she yeah. helps people to um, train their throat and and to find a voice that they're comfortable right. using. Um, right. In a healthy right. way, so that's really cool. But yeah, she plays um, uh, Misabel the maid in Moon Valley. <laughs> it's very funny. She's extremely cute. <laughs> that's great. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, it's hard to get your hands on if you're not in the United Kingdom. But I right. did. <laughs> 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 well, and I guess since we brought up the Danish girl, I guess we can sort of start there. I feel like it's a good, it's a good mm-hmm. touchstone. It's a yeah. touchstone, and I think yeah. we've, we've discussed it before when we were at Target because it's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's it's an important movie in certain ways. I like, mean, I have I have complicated feelings. Yeah, about I, I agree. It. I I do too. I think I think we agreed that I remember us agreeing that like 
the performances are all excellent. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really the issue. It's not the issue. Yeah. 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 It's more the writing more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Eddie Redmayne doesn't necessarily need another job. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's doing okay. Yeah. He's doing fine. Yeah, exactly. And I, I I just don't think that there was any good reasoning for him to be the one playing that role. Yeah. I mean, other than name recognition. I mean, that's why they cast yeah. him is because he's just yeah. kind of, especially at the time, a real rising star. And so for they sure. were just sort of trading on, they're like, well, this is a weird movie and weird, you know, it's like, it, it doesn't right. have like a, that Hollywood recognizes a ready audience. So they're like, yeah. well, if we make it a big old Oscar drama and we cast With a someone popular young actor. Who's good at transforming. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. a real good young character actor, then people will at least be like curious, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's, it's all a can of worms. <laughs> I, I think also, though, playing trans roles kind of falls into a general trend for people who want an Oscar. Yeah. Of trying to play fuck a big, like... Whatever, Jared Leto. Yeah. Fuck Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's like playing somebody who has to lose a lot of weight or, like, yes. a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. It's the transformation Oscar. Playing some yeah. well-known historical figure. Yep. Like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Exactly. It's... Yeah. It's very like often very appropriative to whatever culture it's applied to Mm -hmm. but see and i what i'm starting to realize for myself is i really prefer it when an actor can transform without changing their appearance and you're like i I lost who this person is in pop culture and i'm just seeing somebody completely different Mm -hmm. yes absolutely and the thing about the danish girl is that you it's you're not forgetting it's Eddie Redmayne at any point. <laughs> you're not supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and I think part yeah. of it too is that you know she's a historical figure whom mm-hmm. people aren't necessarily going to be readily familiar with. Like she's not right. Lincoln, you know. So <laughs> right. for Redmayne to really remain Redmayne is sort of less a pop like an. You can imagine that they didn't weren't too concerned about that because it's not like right. people have a preconceived notion of right. who she was. Right. They're not going to be like, right. oh, Eddie did it wrong. Yeah, they're not going to know. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's like a good a point. a trans person and you're like, Eddie did it wrong. <laughs> yes. And yeah. those producers yeah. don't care about that person. No. No, they don't. Because that's not the audience. The audience no. is the, the, uh, the Academy. The Academy. Yeah. 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 And the Academy is mostly, and even more so then, mostly older white men. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. 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 Puke. Especially 2015. Oh, yes. Yes. That was like yeah. right before or right after Oscar's mm-hmm. the White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right Right in the middle of it, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. So um, you two have said you have sort of complicated feelings on the movie. What do you think it did okay? I mean, it definitely gets you. In the emotion department. Yeah. 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 And it's a, it's like a pretty movie. It's well shot mm-hmm. and it has nice colors, nice makeup, nice costumes. The performances kind of are, are, are really quite delicate too. Mm-hmm. On, yeah. It, oh, on, sure. on many fronts. Um, yeah. What's her name? Is it Alicia Vikander? Uh, Alicia yeah, Vikander. Is, yeah. Is pretty, pretty excellent in it. She's great. Yeah. I like yeah. her. I would agree. I mean, um, like they're good performers. Yeah. But that's again not the not the reason there are issues. Yeah, I I think if I had to 
sum up like the basic level of my experience with the Danish girl is that it's clearly meant to be a tragedy, Mm. which I understand because the real life person who it's about had a, like a tragic circumstance in her life that they play up in the end of the film. But I don't think it's fair in the way that it kind of treats her transition as being like this huge affliction and like a terrible disease-like thing. There's a lot of parts where it really sort of like tries to code it as something that's wrong with her. And that is uncomfortable. (laughs) And and that's where I actually find Eddie's performance to be really good because you can see in the character, the true joy of the transition. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Framed poorly. Well, it's, it's everybody else not dealing with it properly. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think it's, it's interesting because in some ways they're trying to be true to the historical record, but only in ways where it's convenient for them to have like a reductive understanding of trans people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And then in other ways, they're almost trying to be more modern in ways that don't work. Like Mm -hmm. something that the movie was criticized for that I didn't actually mind was that um, the character in the film sort of views her pre-transition persona as being like a separate person Mm. and she's like becoming a new person and she has to like kill this old part of her, which now is kind of a, I feel like for a lot of people, a more outdated idea because it's like, oh, you're the same person, just... This is who you always were. yourself. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing about that is that if you read about the real life person, she actually did feel that way. She did feel like she was a separate person before and she had to like get rid of this alternate person and become a new person. And that's how she talked about it. Mm -hmm. When I would also imagine that would be the only way to survive that sort of event in Mm -hmm. in that time period. Like in that time, you have to reinvent and be a completely different person just so people don't persecute you. Mm -hmm. And she was, she was already a public figure at the time. She was, she was known right. at the time for her, for her painting. And so she kind of had to say something to the public that made sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just, but, I'm just a somebody else now. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine I'm a new person. Yeah. That's fair. The, the way that it treats um, Alicia Vikander's character though, is kind of strange because it sort of like portrays all this stuff of like, the transition coming in between them and making yeah. their relationship difficult, mm-hmm. which is not true to life incidentally. Mm. Cause she in real life was probably what we would now understand to be bisexual and was having affairs with women. And so she was like something. all for it. <laughs> she, she was, she was fine with it. They did separate eventually, but it seems to be that they separated because um, Lily Elba, who's played by Eddie Redmayne in the film wanted to be with men Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah and not the other way around which is kind of what the film (laughs) implies so i thought it was really strange that they took like this very like heteronormative dynamic and used it to make their relationship uncomfortable (laughs) yeah and Mm -hmm. like you know to to some degree like in order to make a story into it like in order to make a real life event into a story like you have to probably manufacture some drama but it's a it's crappy but they fell into heteronormative patterns in order to do that it's like okay sure throw in some drama make something up but like did you have to take that direction with it Mm -hmm. like there's so many other problems that people can have in the world Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) 
And I mean, there's there's things in the movie that are like decent drama. Like there's a subplot where they're both like tempted to have an affair with the same guy, <laughs> which is kind of kind of cheesy. But I felt like it was at least entertaining. Very yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that was at least felt like something that could have been more true to life. Like even if it didn't actually happen, it's within character for both of them. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. that's that's some fun drama everybody can get into. It's, yeah, <laughs> right. Juicy. One thing right. I will say about the Danish Girl as a whole is like I remember a lot of it very clearly, even though I only saw it once, and I will probably only ever see it once because the ending is so just upsetting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I I would agree with that, and I think the ending is like super uncomfortable because yeah. it that's where a lot of the like trans life as tragedy thing comes in. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and also there's like, like an earlier scene where she gets beaten up. That yeah. feels a lot that way, mm. but well, the ending too is also like almost, I don't know how I perceive it this way, but for some reason thinking back, it feels a little almost like body horror ish because it's like, Oh yeah. This experimental procedure that she's just so desperate for. Mm-hmm. But it's killing her. Mm-hmm. Gets a little Cronenberg. Yeah, it's very like it upsetting, essentially, yeah. and also like you uh-huh. know, yeah, Ew. yeah, yeah. It's it's emblematic, I think, of how a lot of people see trans experiences from the outside mm-hmm. as something to be horrified by. Oh yeah, where <laughs> it's like this scary thing happening to you, and yeah, yeah, and like transforming you, and yeah, and, like. Like you said earlier, like a disease or disorder. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, that's, that's how it's. It's only scary yeah. if you don't want to be different. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. If, yeah. You're, if you are comfortable with like your persona and your body and the way that the world perceives you, then yeah, of going course. through a transformation does seem scary because you don't want it. But if you do want it, then you do want yeah. it. Like, yeah, it's welcome. Yeah, you'd think that would be an easy concept to understand, but not always. Well, people can't step outside their own experiences. Are you kidding? Well, that and also like yeah. gender is so complicated in your own head that even if you have this sort of idea that you might not be uh, cis, like trying yeah. to figure out your own goddamn shit is like... Yeah, it's hard. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, I think what bugs me more than anything else about the ending of The Danish Girl is that it it makes it seem like she was just going in to have what we would now consider a routine surgery and, and it killed her. Yeah. And in real life, that is like 100% not true. Like she had her um, just vaginoplasty and everything and it went fine. And what she died of in real life was that they tried to do a uterus transplant. Oh. Which they didn't know at the time how organ transplants work. Oh, sure. They're and harsh. so she got she got an infection and died because oh. the doctors were shitty and didn't know yeah. that organ that the body would reject organs. Mm-hmm. And her case is apparently actually how doctors started finding out that you couldn't just do a straightforward organ transplant. Wow! Wow! Well, that's I mean, thank thank God for her, right? Yeah, I mean, right? at least something came of that tragedy. Yeah, 
And of course they didn't put that in the movie. They didn't talk right. about that at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because because they don't want it to be about that. Yeah. There can't be yeah. another yeah. topic that the movie discusses. It, well, and, and I feel like maybe even like getting too deep into like the medical specifics right. takes it away from this like fairy tale tragedy into something that people exactly. are uncomfortable right. with. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, she just has to be like beautiful and tragic and die, and you don't need to worry yeah. about why. You know, she wasted away and perished. Yeah. You know, and that's it. That's yeah. all we want. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and the whole like, uh, and it's so romantically shot too. It's really gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's it's shot like she's almost like a an angelic martyr yeah. or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly would recommend this movie to most people, but seriously, only once. <laughs> and only if you oh, only yeah. if if you're like prepared to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Do you know <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. To yeah. Well, um, so we've sort of touched on Dallas Buyers Club and how yucky it is, but are are there some like good examples that you want to talk about? <laughs> I was excited for this part of the discussion because I've been searching like avidly. Mm-hmm. And I found a few trans movies that I like more than Dallas Buyers Club or Danish Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's interesting because a lot of them are older, Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't have expected. A lot of them are either not from America Mm -hmm. and or pre-21st century. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the one that I always think of first, it's not mainly about trans issues but it has a trans woman character in the ensemble is a movie called all about my mother oh yep mm-hmm. directed by pedro almodovar yep and it has the main character is a is a cis woman whose whose son dies and she like goes to the country to see her old friends and like is trying to get over this traumatic event in her life and her best friend is like a trans sex worker who's played by an actual trans woman hey and she just has a totally chill plot line where nothing bad happens to her, which I really appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) And she's just like there to be the snarky best friend. Refreshing. (laughs) Yeah. And um, that actress who's in that film actually has directed a few movies, which I haven't had the chance to check out, but that's cool. That's really good. I remember that movie was assigned in my film study, one of my film studies classes in mm-hmm. at Western. Um, I don't remember too much of it, but I remember really enjoying it, even though it, it's another movie that's just pretty emotional. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a heavy movie overall. And it has like another character who's kind of like trans, trans feminine, I guess you would say, who's played by a guy and who isn't treated very well. Mm-hmm. So it's still kind of a mixed bag as movies go, but it's the one I recommend for people who want to just see like a trans woman, just living normal life. It's also just an excellent Spanish film too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's and it's a gorgeous movie, but it is very serious, very emotional. Yeah. Hmm. Anything, uh, any movies you wanted to bring up Alex? Um, I'm not sure how other people feel about it. Um, but I know that Tangerine was definitely a big deal when it came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about that one, actually. And Tangerine right. is a story of two trans women who are best friends 
at the start of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lord, indeed. Um, they're both sex workers um, in mm-hmm. L.A. The movie's shot on an iPhone. Yeah. Which is pretty, and it does not look like it's shot on an iPhone. They did an excellent job with that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just like a day in the life, but it's like a shitty day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's sort of a wild, very like loud, gross, comedic movie. Yeah. And the characters are fun. They're really out. Well, at least one of the characters is very out there. Yeah. Yeah. One of them is more down to earth and the other one is really energetic. Yes. <laughs> but what I really, I think one of my favorite parts about the movie is because the the protagonist the the less energetic one mm-hmm. um you're, you're mainly in her her perspective a majority of the movie um, mm-hmm. and you're on her side because she's she's chill and she's but by the end of the movie you're like oh she's the bad one <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's a bad yeah. friend <laughs> yeah yeah the uh it it definitely toys with your like with audience sympathies yeah Mm-hmm. in interesting ways but i mean it is also another uh, you know it, it it does feed into the whole like trans people are sex workers kind of thing mm. um, right but at least it you know these are like it, as far as i remember i think the lead actress was a sex worker yeah oh yeah they both of them were yeah. had so never it's, acted it's a before. very like even though it sort of feeds into that whole stereotype it's, quote it's unquote semi- but it's also it's, it's also real life you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i i think it's important to depict that kind of thing because yes. so many trans people are in sex work well, and, and doing it with yeah. people that have lived that life whereas mm-hmm. dallas yeah. Myers club it's like you can't authentically tell that story that's not your story to tell yeah. also you made up this character <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did um, yeah, I mean, I, I do find that sometimes uh, folks can be a little alarmist when it does come to like, you know, telling it's like, like you were saying with um, the Danish girl as well, like the idea of like, oh, you know, that that but that don't tell that story because we don't like that kind of narrative when it's like, but it's the real one. Yeah. Like, it's not, right. you know, it's like, it's one thing when people are, you know, taking that narrative and and telling it when it's not theirs to tell. But if it is like an authentic real story and a real experience, then it's like, you can't be mad about it. Like it's true. I I tend to think that the problem with telling quote unquote stereotypical stories lies in the audience, not in, Uh not in the storyteller. Uh huh. Yeah. Because yeah, we are all stereotypical in certain ways. And for sure, you know, like, like, especially like the, the, the queer one that's like just so overdone and so talked about is like the femme cis gay man. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Um, but, but like people are like that and it's fine. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we a don't lot of that... ignore those people yeah. anymore. They can have stories. Right. But exactly. Exactly. Just be able to also have their stories. Yes, told. Exactly. We just need more stories. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the essential thing. And stereotype is not the antithesis of genuine it's just yes. important that it be yeah. genuine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think tangerine is is a great example of like this is what life is like for so many trans people oh for sure but for sure but we also need some other stories about trans people that maybe have a very different life sure yeah yeah Which we don't exactly. have that at all <laughs> no yeah, it's we... pretty much always the tragedy isn't it 
I don't think Tangerine is really a tragedy, but it really plays up some of the more unsavory things yes. that happen. It, it feels definitely like a Shakespearean comedy, honestly. Yeah, I would agree with like, that. There's some, there's some, there's drama, but it's like, oh, you did what now, drama? It's like a comedy of errors. Yeah. Yes, it's a comedy of errors. Yeah. but there's definitely like there's copious drug use that's very like upsetting to watch. You mm. know. Yeah, there's a lot of like bodily function stuff that like toes the line between humor and just being gross mm. <laughs> but it's it's also like it's it's a good one to watch oh yeah that's one of the first ones i recommend to people just because it has a feeling of authenticity and they actually consulted the actors and they actually tried really hard to make an interesting film <laughs> yes <laughs> also true an original also tr- screenplay too like not like based on anything yeah 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 um one thing that i have to recommend even though it isn't a movie um, is the TV show Pose. Oh, yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because Pose is doing it right. <laughs> Pose is doing it right, and I think I want more movies to be like it in terms of the way that they depict trans stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly in that actual trans people are not just acting in the show, but writing and directing it frequently. Mm-hmm. And producing. And, and producing. They're basically everywhere on, on the show. And it's wonderful. And, and it's not just like... It's like trans people of all different experiences. Like there's, yes. there's uh, trans actresses that used to be drag queens. There, you know, there. It's just, it, yes. there's so many different people that have had, like, the same shit yes. <laughs> go down in their life, but from different perspectives. Mm. And I like it because I think the focus in that show is on the interpersonal relationships rather than like the hardships experienced by the characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those hardships are there and they're depicted authentically but the thing that they assume will be important to the audience isn't like gawking at terrible things that happen. What they, what they like, they give the audience the benefit of the doubt in assuming you want to see these people interact and have like normal person relationships. And you want to see them slay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's the most important part. Yes. I'm so excited. Have you seen some of the promo stuff for season two? Yes. I'm so excited. (laughs) And, And honestly, like the whole, like, misconception that trans people aren't like trained actors or good actors. Oh God. It's just because you don't give them a fucking chance. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There are so many great trans actors. We already talked about Rebecca Root mm-hmm. and everybody on, everybody on pose is great. And the, and, and, and the thing you can tell on pose is they are at different skill levels mm-hmm. because, Oh yeah. The, you know, some of them have not been given a chance, mm-hmm. but that's almost, yeah somehow like makes their individual character within the story. It almost fits their character yeah. because they're like not yeah. necessarily sure of themselves or like, well, and here's the goddamn thing. There are a lot of cis actors who get work who suck really badly. <laughs> it's true. Like, who cares? It's so true. <laughs> like who actually gives a shit? So many bad actors get work. Let's fucking stop with this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think with trans people, there's a lot of pressure to be a good actor because it's like you're representing right. so many people and with so few opportunities, Yeah, which is terrible because it should be the same amount of pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's super duper duper dumb. Uh, yeah. There's this um, little trans boy I've befriended recently who is like the light of my life at the moment. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in this uh, Mother's Day show coming up. 
next weekend. And uh, he's like a seventh grader and he goes to the school that I went to and he's like besotted with me and I'm besotted with him. It's so cute. Like he just keeps coming to me and asking me like, what are your favorite musicals? I have an audition for Oliver. Which song should I do? Like, and it's just like, I love you little dude. Like keep going. And he's like talking to me, like I was telling him about like some of my old classmates and where they went to school. And he's like, yeah, I was thinking maybe I want to apply to Juilliard or maybe NYU. I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, yes. let's keep going. Yes. Go, 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 go. <laughs> like, I love this kid. <laughs> Yes. So does, so we need- he is gonna he is gonna go places. Yeah, we need more guaranteed. we need more kids like him. Well He's we're definitely so starting to see that in especially like um I've been re- watching season two of the OA mm-hmm. and there's a trans mm, right. in that. Um who's right played by Ian Alexander. Yes. Um and then there's a, another younger uh, oh in Sabrina. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is their name? Uh, I'm so bad with names. I know. I don't remember the actual non-binary representation there, yeah. which is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. That's great too. That's great. Which I can't even think of any movies off the top of my head that have like a good non-binary. Yeah, plot movies. Are, movies are definitely behind where TV's at because yeah. we have yeah. One Day at a Time, uh-huh. who has a non-binary yes. character. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, well, yes. you can't. I mean, it's just asking the Academy to understand a whole other. Well, but you thing. don't even have to have like an Oscar <laughs> movie about a, right. a non-binary person. You can have a direct to DVD. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, though. it's like it seems like the only like big budget Hollywood movies that get to have trans representation or even much queer representation at all yeah. are like the big dramas because yeah. that's the only place yeah. that like Hollywood is comfortable putting trans people is like to frame it as like, it's the trans story. And it's like, can it just be like a normal movie about a regular person with a life? (laughs) Or like, or like, or like, why is there not like a, like a, like a trans comedy? Sure. This is about what what I was just about to say is I think that, you know, it doesn't even have to be a normal person with a normal life. It could be somebody with a wacky life or a scary life. Sure. Mm-hmm. And but just somebody who's already freaking transitioned. And that's just a normal part. Who isn't, who isn't too concerned about it. Yeah. Like, just- I want to see... I think there are a lot of movies that, like, trans people can relate to that aren't specifically about trans people. And it would be so easy to do, like, a version or a, a similar story with, with a trans lead. Mm-hmm. Like I think like of like more, imagine like more movies with trans actors that aren't trans movies. Yeah, some, yeah, they, that's what like I my mean. My favorite example is The Magicians. It, the Queen of the Fairies is played by a trans woman, but the it, Queen it, of the Fairies is just the Queen of the Fairies. Just, yeah, <laughs> the Queen of the Fairies. <laughs> I love that. That's that's what I'm looking yeah, for. She's really great and too. I want to see a movie with like a trans action hero. Yes, trans detective solving crimes. Oh yes. Well, Remember a million years ago, Alex, when we were talking about doing like a gay fantasy story where it's oh, yeah. like, with like, you know, the fairies or like the elves are all like super sassy, like Throndwheel and like, <laughs> oh, you know, yes. we were imagining oh, like, a, like a non-binary protagonist mm-hmm. and that like how fun it would be. Or even to- just like within the queer community, like queering the already queer stereotypes of like fancy characters. So yeah. instead of femme elves, butch elves. Butch elves. 
Yeah. It would be so fun. I don't I want to come back to that idea. Elves on motorcycles with leather jackets. Yes. Oh, I love oh my that. god, and just lots of piercings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm curious, um, have either of you watched Twin Peaks? Yes. Because I was I've been thinking yes. about I mean, you know, it's it, it it's kind of interesting because, you know, Twin Peaks aired at a time when there was not trans representation in oh, like popular media. There was zero, and I mean like, in, in the case of Twin Peaks, the actor is a cis man, but with David Duchovny's hmm. character, Denise, um, really interesting person because like she's not even a main yeah. character and she's treated with total dignity, like total respect. She's a oh, DEA yeah. agent and she's super capable and she's a trans woman, and it's just like fine and not a thing <laughs> well i like i like the way that season two of twin peaks handles her little like she has like a three episode arc mm-hmm. or something like that and i i love how she's just there she's just being herself yeah. and there are people who there are people who knew her before she transitioned who are just like oh what name are you using now okay sure fine cool uh, yeah like man david I'm- lynch like good job <laughs> <laughs> Back in the, like the early '90s, that you would see something like that, just like on TV. What? Yeah. How do you just, do this? Just on television. But I think that Twin Peaks was in a good situation to do that right. because people were already expecting to see something out of the ordinary on Twin yeah, Peaks. Yeah, if you can accept the Black Lodge, you can deal with David Duchovny. You can deal with it. Like you can do that. Yeah, and I think there are some ways in which it's dated, yeah. like it's David Duchovny. And the explanation they gave for why she transitioned is kind of weird. Remind, it's been like forever since I've watched Twin Peaks. She, I watched it. I watched it for the first time last year, so oh, it's okay. kind of fresh in my mind. Um, she talks about how she like as as before she transitioned, she like had to go undercover as a woman for a drug bust, and then just decided to stay that way afterwards. <laughs> I mean, but like, you know, if you imagine like being a, a trans person in a time like that, like, yeah, what kind of explanation? It's not implausible. You might, you might of, have to just sort of that, make up a reason. Yeah, like that may not be Denise's real life experience, but oh, that's just yeah, an easy that, way to explain yeah. it to somebody. Like, oh yeah, no, I just felt that's comfortable that point. way and it stuck. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. And I, I, I will say that as a snarky trans person, I actually do make jokes to that effect all the time. Sure. <laughs> I, I, um. I remember, Alex, I don't know if you were still here at this time. I think it was, it must have been after you left because after you left somebody at Target, somebody was like, oh, it's only, it's only women who work in the clothing department and soft lines Uh now. And I was, there were like 10 people around and I was just like, yeah, it turned me. (laughs) 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 And the thing that's so great was there was total silence. And then somebody was like, really? (laughs) But and, and and I will I will say about Target, it's just within at least where our store, it was a safe yeah. enough place that one could say something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I cherished that, even if nobody got the joke or understood that it was a joke, and I was kind of like, oh lord, this is, we got a ways to go. Well, I'm sure because half I was, the people there were not there long enough to know. You know, <laughs> that's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Oh lord. 
that well, was I remember a, that was a when, good one when though. I was still there it was like oh like a lot of us are queer <laughs> oh all of us were at one point yeah. so, and we, we just realized it one like fourth of july oh, day yeah <laughs> yeah well it was so funny too because i feel like none of us wanted to out the other right. people who we knew mm-hmm. and so it was a weird situation where like everybody was queer and only some people knew that other people were but we didn't actually and, have conversations about it until one day we we're like oh, hey <laughs> it took a long time yeah that's cool i mean like you know say what you will about them them big old corporations but it is nice that target as an organization does foster sort of a an open and like uh, safe sort of an environment like they oh, yeah. are committed yeah. to people feeling uh, safe as employees there to be who they are uh, i have a friend uh who is a lesbian who worked at fred meyer for a time and she felt not that way about working at Fred Meyer and so she just sort of it's funny because like she'd been you know out and comfortable since like high school but um working at Target like she just was closeted at work because she just didn't want to talk to these like you know 47 year old women about (laughs) how she's a lesbian Mm. so there was like so do you have a boyfriend and she's like (laughs) No, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, that's, that's always that's always tough. Mm-hmm. I I don't like that question. I I joke. I I have like an undercut, and now I'm trying to let it grow out because I don't really like it anymore. But I joke that I got it so that men would stop asking me out. <laughs> it helps. It helps. It does help. That and dyed hair; mm-hmm. those things you, help. At least you scare off the the wrong ones, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Scare off the real, real troublesome ones. <laughs> so I was curious, Leonora, have you seen a fantastic mm-hmm. woman? I have not, Neither and I've heard I. mixed. I've heard mixed things about it. I've heard lots of good things about it from cis people, oh. and then like my partner saw it and didn't vibe with it at oh, all. That sucks. And it apparently is really just like putting the main character through the tragedy ringer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want that. That's not how they I made think it, it seem at the Oscars. <laughs> I, I think it frustrates me because um, I'm going to watch it just because I'm curious about it. And yeah. it does have a trans actress, but it was definitely like written and directed by a cis guy. Yeah. And he, he made another movie called Gloria and he recently remade it with uh, Julianne Moore. So mm. he's made two versions of the same movie that are just about this old older um cis woman who's just like chilling and singing along to music in her car and like dealing with a kind of shitty boyfriend, but that's it. that's the whole plot of the movie. So why can't we have a trans woman doing the same thing? I know. I know and it's just like if you're going to remake this movie, like Julianne Moore is not hurting for work. She she has other things to do. Why can't it be like I- anyone else, like mm-hmm. anyone trans who yeah. can just have like a normal life? Yeah. <sighs> or even just like, and, even if their life's not normal, like a normal day. Yeah. 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 I mean, trans people have normal days. Or just a day that's like not about Sometimes. being trans, yeah. you know, just Ugh. like not yeah. the normal thing. And then other stuff Sometimes happens. We do have those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but i also just feel like i don't know i want to see a rom-com starring a trans person that that isn't about refreshing (sighs) 
but that one that isn't about like the partner having to learn to accept them one that's just like a rom-com yeah imagine imagine how imagine how good imagine how good the movie bridget jones's diary would be if bridget (laughs) jones was just trans instead yes (laughs) that would be be so much fun to watch i would probably actually watch it (laughs) because i feel like that dynamic of like do you want to be with like the smooth guy who is shitty to you or the bumbling guy who loves you for who you are, it would be a, like a great scenario for a trans person to, you know, mm-hmm. given the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there are, there are trans, there is a trans rom-com. I'm looking at my little list of transgender movies. Mm-hmm. Boy Meets is, it, Girl. is it Boy Meets Girl? Oh yeah. my Lord. <laughs> I refuse to watch that movie. Her. It's, the, the love interest in that movie is just like nagging her and calling her a man all the time. And I can't, he's the guy. It's Mike from twilight. Oh, God. oh. <laughs> wait, which one's Mike? Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know. He's that. the blonde one. Blonde. I'll click on it. Blonde one. Honestly, I don't even know that's going to help me. Like, yeah, I'm no, I'm drawing a blank. It doesn't make me want to watch the movie anymore. I'll tell you that one. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I don't recognize that yeah, Joker. You, you I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a movie. There's a movie from the '90s, a British movie that I watched. That I watched before I transitioned, and I enjoyed it then. And I think I would hate it now. <laughs> called called Different for Girls. Oh. Um. It's a and it, it's about like a uh, a guy who who um a guy and a, a cis guy and a trans woman who used to go to a boys boarding school together mm-hmm. and then they like re-meet up as adults and he falls for her hmm. and it's mostly cute but there's like a 15 minute bit in the middle where he like gets freaked out that she's mm-hmm. trans and oh mm-hmm. god scary stuff it's like can we not yeah not for that bit the movie would be great but it's like why did it need to to go there (laughs) so i'm curious uh leonora because we've talked about uh this particular film in an episode just a long time ago um but i'd like to revisit it in this context head big in the angry inch Ooh, i was wondering if we were going to talk about that one well i'm curious if because you know the way that that Hedwig's story goes I'm curious like I mean and you know it's it's a very very weird and slightly fraught question to ask but like do you think that Hedwig is trans I I have I have had different thoughts about this over the years I'll I'll say first off that that movie was one of the movies that I watched the main movie that I watched that started making me wonder if I was trans. Hmm. I mean, it's, I think it is really formative for a lot of young people. Yeah. So it's really formative t- for me. And that means I can't judge it objectively. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. So with that disclaimer and also with the disclaimer that I haven't seen it in like maybe three or four years. Mm-hmm, same. Um, I'll say that I, I think it's complicated it is well it is very because like you know she transitions in the first place in order to get out of out of the country berlin like she just wants to like it's basically like a loophole well it is but and it's interesting because also the idea of transitioning to please a romantic partner is like a weird trope 
that comes up in trans narratives? I don't know that, that I mean, I, I didn't read their relationship as being that way because her husband did, you know, was interested in her as before, Hansel. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, Hansel decided like, well, if I'm going to be with him and leave Germany, then I have to be a woman so that we can marry Right, um, right, so right, right. It was always just sort of a matter of convenience, at least, like, th- that's all we're given. Well, especially because after they get to America, uh, he the, the husband, like, runs off with, like, a twink, basically. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then, I, in the end, yeah. it kind of almost seems like Hedvig isn't Hedvig anymore, you know? That's the part that, that gets me, uh-huh. and I have I have my own, like um internal like head canon i guess you would say for what's going on with hedwig mm-hmm. if if you want me to share that i, I would love but, that um i feel like well because at the beginning like we know that sh- the character is um feminine at least i think it's mm-hmm. fair to say and so i think that like well here's what i'll say as like I identify as a non-binary trans woman. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I'm, I am a woman, but I'm also non-binary. Sure. And I feel like Hedwig's journey resonates with me because it's like she transitions and then tries to make this life for herself as a, as a woman. And that doesn't quite work either. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the ending is more, is not like, I've seen people read it as more of a detransition narrative. And I don't think that's what it is. I think it's that she goes and starts off in one direction and it doesn't work, tries another direction that it doesn't work and eventually manages to break down binaries and find a a place of neutrality. I I can definitely see that. Yeah. I think that the way that they are framed at the end of the film is definitely more androgynous than, than gendered in any particular direction. Well, it's almost like, yeah, reclaims a piece of themselves. Yeah, well, that, yeah. yeah, that's the whole origin yeah. love thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas, you know, the Hedwig as a character is often sort of defined by her, their outer trappings. You know, it's mm-hmm. about the costume. And, and in the end... And relationship to others, too. Yeah. Yes. And at the end, they are nude and alone uh, and content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly finally finding some peace because mm. i i think that like there's this like and you know initially hedwig like i guess has a go, undergoes a medical transition i guess you would say mm-hmm. f- for purposes of escape and then eventually that breaks down because they have to confront their actual inner self mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating story. I, I, it's one of my favorite movies and has been for a long time. It holds up. <laughs> I don't know whether it's traditional trans representation, but I think it's an important story. I don't it, think there's definitely like any a reason. Uh, freshman year of college, let me go outside my comfort zone type of movie too for most. <laughs> oh people. yes, yeah. no, I guess yes, I, it's Rocky uh, Horror. Yeah, I, I grew up in a in a in a pretty weird household though, so I think I saw Hedwig the first time at like age twelve. <laughs> oh my, oh my! That's, that's I my feel mommy. like my my life would have been very different if I had seen that movie when I was twelve. <laughs> yeah, no, my mom was just like, "This movie is so good, you have to watch it, Ashley." <laughs> 
Yeah, pretty cool mom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, I feel like we could probably keep talking forever, but is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that we want to make sure we don't leave out? I... I want to mention just because it's a sideline thing that I kind of find interesting when people talk about trans films, they're often talking about really recent fare. And a lot of the excuses that people make for poor representation is, Oh, we didn't used to have any representation. Mm -hmm. This is where we're at now. And in 20 years, it'll be different. And the reason why I bring that up is because at one point I went on kind of a research bender and I found all these old, like, 50s through 70s exploitation films that were like B-movies hmm. that are a lot like something like The Danish Girl. Wow, there you go. <laughs> so oh. I, I just, I do want to plug a couple of those just so that people, the next time this happens, the next time a cis man gets cast as a trans woman or uh-huh. Scarlett Johansson gets cast as a trans man, people aren't like, oh, this is just how it is now. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the 70s, there was a movie called The Christine Jorgensen Story. Oh, wow. Which is just a biopic of Christine Jorgensen, who was like one of the first famous trans women. And it is exactly like the Danish girl point for point. Well, cool. (laughs) And that's from 1970. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the next time somebody says this is how it is right now, representation will be better in the future. Be happy with what you've got. Point them to that movie because do you, you you'll probably know what i'm talking about because you've been doing the homework um mm-hmm. what is that i can't think of the name of the film um about the man who um like tries to rob a bank for his partner's oh territory. yes we should talk about dog day afternoon yeah, that's what it is thank you dog day afternoon I the cool thing the not so cool thing about Dog Day Afternoon is the way it depicts the the trans love interest character because mm-hmm. she's she's played by Chris Sarandon <laughs> who's who's the villain the six fingered man from the Princess Bride. That's not true. The six fingered <laughs> man from Princess Bride is Christopher Guest. No, you're right. I'm thinking of Prince Humperdinck, aren't I? Yes. Yes, I think you are. Yes, yes, Prince Humperdinck from. Um, Princess Bride is Al Pacino's trans woman love interest mm-hmm. in Dog Day Afternoon. And he's robbing the bank to pay for her operation. And it's a biopic mm-hmm. for a guy who actually did this in real life. Right. Um, so I don't like the portrayal, especially because it portrays the trans character as like a confused gay man who wants to get surgery. Yeah. And to I be mean, with another man, which sucks. It, yeah. Super crappy. Um, and like, I think that's just how people generally, like that was the most sympathetic way that people could understand that scenario. It's like, oh, you know, that you're, you, you, you genuinely, you're just confused and you're just troubled and, you know, you can be sympathetic to someone who's just having a hard time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was like the cisgender perception at the time. Yeah. Um, the great thing about that movie is that the profits from it actually paid for the real life trans ladies operation. Oh, damn. That's a good story. (laughs) It's, it's great because she, she was not down with this guy robbing a bank for her. She didn't want to be involved. Yeah. 
And when, when he went to prison, she broke up with him. <laughs> and then he got the first royalty check from the movie, sent it to her for her operation. Oh. And she went and had the operation and then married somebody else. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> She's like, that's not okay, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> for all exactly, this trouble, you, know? you owe me that much. Right, right. <laughs> well, now, because then he made her a public figure. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. He made her famous. She she like dined out on it. I'm pretty sure she became like a nightclub singer or something of that kind. Awesome. That's good. Afterwards. So as usual, she is the real hero of the story. (laughs) And I want to watch a movie about her. Yeah. I think another thing that um, people think like trans narratives are only told now. Um, Trans Mm -hmm. is also a relatively new word for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the past, the terms have been like transsexual or just right or the or transvestite or or, or people thought right that they were either drag queens or yeah there was no nuance to the to the there was more it was more fluid in terms of identity like you were occupying the same social space whether you were a, a cis drag queen or if you were actually what we would now term transgender yeah. there was a lot of cultural overlap mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stories so, and movies that, that that are about either those like yeah I mean, say like uh paris is burning or like yes um, yes yeah that whole community um and there's also a lot of stories that have yet to be told correctly yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> Um, absolutely like uh, anything involving Stonewall yep yeah, mm-hmm. that's the, there's the elephant hello <laughs> elephant yeah <laughs> oh but I should I should recommend um, there's a really good documentary called Screaming Queens it's on Amazon mm. and it's directed by a trans woman named Susan Stryker who does a lot of like trans history related stuff nice. and it's a documentary yeah, it's a documentary about the riots at Compton's Cafeteria in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. Yeah, that's ringing a bell. In the mid-60s. Yeah, but... And it's really interesting. It's like an hour long, and it has, like, footage from, of, of like, trans-spectrum people rioting in the 60s before Stonewall. Mm-hmm. And it's really mm-hmm. fascinating. Well, cool. Well, I guess on that note, um, why don't we move on to our uh, weekly recommendations? Do you not have one, Sounds, Alex? I, I don't know if I have He's one. He's shrinking away. I mean, I've been <laughs> listening to the audiobook of The Magicians because I'm fucking obsessed with the show. <laughs> but I'm not really it. enjoying it, so I, I don't know if I would recommend it. But uh-huh. the show, as always, is a recommendation. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, we've been watching some old Disney cartoons. Go watch Mulan, everybody. Yes, go Ooh. watch Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> we've just been sitting here watching Netflix, watching old Disney cartoons. It's good stuff. <laughs> Um, I have a recommendation, which I don't think will come as a shock to either of you. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've been reading this book called Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, and it's so good. It's so, 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 so good. Um, I really loved her previous work, um, Uprooted, is the novel that she published before this, um, and it seems to be sort of a an unofficial series because they're sort of uh, fantasy novels based heavily on Slavic folklore. Um, really good stuff. And this book as, uh, uh, at least Leonora saw me lamenting on Twitter is yeah. the book that I've been trying to write for the past like three years. Like I was like reading it the other night and I was like, 
oh, oh no, oh no, it's my book. This was the book I was trying to write. Here it is. And she wrote it already and it's better. Like just like so many beats where I was like, oh no, that's what I was trying to figure out how to do. Like I was writing that, but this is how you do it correctly. No, but I can't be mad because I love, love, love this book. Um, It's really rad. It's like a super awesome feminist take on Slavic folklore. Um, It's also one of the the lead characters is a young Jewish woman. Um, So that's fun. It's like a fairy tale, but then there's Jews. And so it it feels really interesting where it's like- Well, and you've been staying up to like 4 a.m. reading it. (laughs) Yeah, I have. I have. It's true. It's true. Uh, It's so good though. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we've got, you know, demons and witches and fairies and Jews. Uh, (laughs) And they're also there. Um, and, And it's like, they're very explicit. Like they use the word Jew all the time you know they keep shabbat they keep kosher uh and it's i mean it's just really a beautiful and interesting book it's it's about these three um young women um miriam the money lender's daughter um wanda who's like a gentile girl who's very poor and she's got a really awful abusive father and um irina who's the daughter of the local duke and um, it tur- it's sort of a like a Rumpelstiltskin slash Cinderella thing going on <laughs> for a lot of it, where like the these evil fairies like make Miriam change silver into gold because as a money lender she's very talented, she's very good at you know getting her due, and so she says something about being able to ch- change silver into gold, and the fairies are like, oh, you can literally do that? Okay, literally do that. <laughs> she's like, no, wait. Uh- <laughs> But it's it's a really, really, really brilliant book. And it's like, I got to the point of the book that I thought was going to be the climax. And there's still like, you know, a, a, a fifth of the book to go. And I'm like, what's even going to happen now? What? <laughs> so I'm loving it. It's great. It's great. Naomi Novik is a great author. Uh, do you have, I mean, you've been kind of recommending things left and right. Oh, uh, yeah. But I've do been you recommending a ton of things. Um. Let me think. Can I recommend another? Into recently? Uh, recently. Let me think. I've just been watching bad action adventure movies recently. But that's good. <laughs> like, sometimes we just need that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely need a lot of that in my life. I'm trying to think of what's a good one to recommend. Um, oh, Lord. Can I recommend a movie that I didn't see recently, but that's just a fave? Yeah. Um, I'll recommend the movie Princess Sid from 2017. It's on Netflix and it is the movie I thought of it because I had a similar experience that you had with your book Mm -hmm. where while I was watching it, I realized that it was a movie that I had been trying to write for years (laughs) because it's, it's, it's about like a, like a depressed young woman who visits her uh, aunt for the summer and her aunt like shows her the, the joys to be had in life. And I had tried to write that exact premise as a script years before. And I was like, oh, I can't use that now. <laughs> That's not gonna work. Yeah. It's a really charming, sweet, sunny, fun movie. If you just need something like fluffy That's and good. encouraging, every kind of philosophical fluffy and encouraging. Mm-hmm. And there's a subplot with a non-binary character who's Ooh. played by a non-binary actor. Woo! So, gold star. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> well, did you think of anything better to recommend Alex? Uh, the OA maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, it's it's 
getting really, really weird. No, I know what you, I know what you really want to recommend. Wizard 101. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been playing the free to play. Well, it's not free after you get to a certain level. The browser based browser based game. Wizard 101. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so I've never heard of this. Um it's uh have you heard of Pirates 101? No. <laughs> I feel like that's even more obscure. <laughs> but anyway, it's like kid Harry like I mean Harry Potter's already for kids, but it's like dumbed down like you use cards to cast spells against really cutesy little monsters and Oh nice. It's it's really for kids, but as I'm like trying to learn how to play it, it's very nuanced <laughs> and very difficult to find the answers. Like, not a lot of YouTube videos. The wiki sucks. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of great documentation on it. Right. Yeah. No, and some people have some really great names for the oh, pets. Oh, because it because it's like a kid game. You have to like pick, um, pick, na- pick names that are already from like a a word list. a word box. <laughs> so like so you um, can't call yourself like penis yeah yeah but there are people that just like (laughs) right because it's like a name generator we're like my character is uh galen pearl blade um (laughs) but then there are people that are just like carol I mean, there were a few pet names that were really rad. There are some great pet names, too, because the pet names are randomly generated. You can change them, too, but when you first hatch the pet, it's random. And so, like, oh, great. they're just, like, Constable Muffins or, like... Yeah. <laughs> they're very good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So we were just, like... I was just, like, naming... Listing off names for Ashley. We were just laughing. Yeah, it's pretty funny stuff. So I guess there's that. Yep, that's joy. Go and play Wizard One everybody. Not everybody. I I don't know if everybody should play it. (laughs) Just some people. Well, it's free to play until you want to actually progress. (laughs) Oh, I see. Yeah, and then you got to pay ten bucks a month. Uh, of course they're still updating it though they just updated the the bit starting areas with some great new graphics well they're not great (laughs) that does it for today's episode thanks for listening and thank you leonora for joining us so much it was a blast of course happy to be here you can find us on apple podcasts spotify stitcher google podcasts anchor.fm and elsewhere Please review, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really makes a difference. Check us out on Twitter at LitMeritPod for updates and news, or you can chat with us and maybe end up like a guest on the show. Yeah! (laughs) We love talking to people if you've got something to say. And thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album Artificial Hearts. Until next time, remember... No No guilty guilty pleasures. pleasures.